Open up your Bibles to John chapter 7. I do apologize for uh, canceling the singing and changing the afternoon schedule, but I got caught up in fellowship. And uh, as I said a few weeks ago, I don't really feel we got too many more opportunities to preach, so I don't really want to cancel any, any services. So I will be very friendly about it, but if you do have to get somewhere and we've kept you so long already, uh, you, you just go ahead and go where you got to go. I'd prefer you stay. Uh, and I won't be mad at you, but I understand it's way longer than we normally keep, folks. John chapter 7, we're going to read verses 11 through 53. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand up for the reading of that because that's a pretty lengthy reading. But we are now seeing the Lord Jesus as, as the title of this outline in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. We know from previous lessons that uh, he did not go to Jerusalem at the start of the feast. So the last two outlines kind of were happening as the feast had already begun but now we see the lord's approach and hopefully from this text you'll see uh, a better idea of why he didn't go uh, to the entire festival there in jerusalem john chapter 7 starting in verse 11 then the jews sought him at the feast and said where is he and there was much murmuring among the people concerning him and for some said he is a good man others said nay but he deceiveth the people Albeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. <clears throat> he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receive a circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at him? Because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous, judge, but judge righteous judgment. <coughs> Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and, say, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Howbeit we know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him, and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests and officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and ye shall, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we will, 
uh, that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me, and ye shall not find, uh, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Better drive faster, brother. <laughs> he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Jesus cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Having any, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people, who knoweth not the law, are cursed. And then we see Nicodemus for the first time since John chapter 3. It says, Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, back in John 3, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. So, that's a long, long text. Probably the longest single text that we've taken in in one gulp uh, since we started this study. And I thought about breaking it up, and we're going to break it up a little bit as we start to look at the points of this outline. But the reason I didn't is because I want you to see the confusion. Up until now, the Lord's been able to go and teach where he's needed to go and teach. And they don't stop his arrival, but John's our writer here. So let's think about it from the perspective of he who is gathering these writings. And we believe the Holy Spirit inspired John's writings. But what we hear here is what the disciples are hearing from the crowd. Jesus is there. We see he's crying out. The, the phrase, Jesus cried out, is mentioned twice so in my understanding, he's delivering a message of sorts, and it's interrupted by conjecture from the audience, and that interjection is coming from the disciples who are hearing it. So Jesus is teaching, and they say, hey, how, does he, how does he know the letters? This man who's unlearned, how does he understand such things? And he goes on, and they say, how could he be the Messiah? How could he be, how could he, some say, how could he not be the Messiah? So we digest these 40-some verses of confusion in this way. Jesus Christ is received of man in the same manner today. Some say he was a teacher. Some say he was a prophet. Some say he must be the Messiah. And we could write it as John wrote it. Some say he must be the Messiah because who, could, who else could be? Does that mean they're born again? because they've seen no other who could be. But Jesus reveals himself unto those the Father has commissioned him to reveal himself unto. That's also still true today. So all of this collective confusion, this utter chaos, I mean, you can almost, as I was reading it, hear the crowd noises. 
and maybe a, a muffle of somebody speaking in front of all of them, but the, the, the mental thoughts just being vomited out on paper are almost louder than what's being preached in the background. This is the confusion that we are commissioned to go on to, as the brother spoke of this morning. Some have absolutely no understanding of this book, no understanding of a Messiah that was to come. Some have a, a bad understanding, a misunderstanding of who he was to be and what he came to do. Some have presumptuously made up their own minds based on their own interpretations. But we've been commissioned. The feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the paralyzed man, both uh, happening in John, John 5, verses 1 through 9, John uh, chapter 7, verse 23, that we see in our text, these two miracles had aroused the interest of the crowd there in Jerusalem. Because Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, the Jews said he was not from God. And Jesus, to that point, uh, how could you condemn, how could you hate? He even says, how could you want to, to kill violently one who makes a man whole on the Sabbath when you perform circumcision on the Sabbath? They call him demon-possessed in verse 20. They talk of killing him. And then in John chapter 7, verse 30, we see the only reason they weren't able to is because his hour was not yet come. We see twice in that text, at least, where uh, uh, some were commissioned to go get him. Some had a desire to slay him. And because his hour had not yet come, they couldn't possibly do it. Isn't that interesting when you put that side by side with the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the throng with, uh, with an encouraging chant unto herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, if I could but touch the hem of his... How could a, a young, unclean woman press through a throng and get to Jesus who had the faith to de and desire to do so, believing that she would be made whole when these Pharisees, these scribes, these men of power say, take him. These Jews, during their own feast, say he must die. They can't touch him. What did this woman have that they didn't have? She believed. It's what she was healed by was her faith. She was made a daughter. Her faith had made her whole. So as far as the gospel record, records go, Jesus had not attended any feast at Jerusalem in 18 months prior to this point. That is, since the feast that we read about back there in John 5, which was likely to have been a Passover. Over many of our most recent lessons, we've seen our Lord teaching and leading his disciples through non-Jewish districts. And you might recall when we had the first lesson, I pointed that out uh, as we were looking on the map of where he was going. It would be natural then for us to read here that the crowds were curious about where he's been. They still know of the things he's done. They're still stirred up about it. In fact, we see most clearly for the first time there are some in favor of him and some firmly against him. There is a clear line drawn. Uh, to use scriptural terms, a dividing asunder has occurred. And that's what the truth does. And it may turn mother against mother-in-law and son against father or father-in-law, brother against brother. Uh, or as we heard this morning, two brothers against nine others. Because this truth does not leave you the way it found you. You're either firmly for or firmly against. 
We should also note the crowds are forming alliances on the sides that they have, or on this line that has been drawn in the sand. They are finding uh, kin-minded thinkers, those in the crowd who feel the same way they do. <coughs> that can be good if it's a following. Uh, it can be a lynch mob when it's not. The very first thing we want to see is how the Jews debated five different topics as they discussed Jesus at this feast. And, 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 and it's really amazing to me the way, this is, the way John breaks this down because if the Lord's speaking to a, a multitude of people, you would think, as we've seen up to this point in the study, that's what we, the reader, need to hear. But this particular time, we instead see five different things the crowd was talking about while he was teaching. The first we see in verses 10 through 13 was his character. The second, verses 14 through 18, and I'm going to give you all of these up front because we're not going to get through all of them. Verses 14 through 18, we see the second one, his doctrine. Third, we see his works. They debated over his works in verses 19 through 24. Fourthly, they even debate over his origin, verses 25 through 31. And then, of course, they take issue with his warning in verse 32 through 36. The very first thing we see uh, in verses 10 through 13 is his character. And I, I just have a few notes on each one of these. We see that the crowd, some in the crowd at least, called him good. Others called him a deceiver, a devil. Why were they so confused? How could there be such a mistake? Uh, certainly, if I, uh, if I were to hang something from the ceiling, we wouldn't argue amongst ourselves whether it's up or whether it's down. There would be a consensus. Maybe some would say it's higher than what you say it is, but no one would say it's absolutely down against somebody else who's saying it's absolutely up. And yet they have opposite opinions that are in absolute conflict with one another over the same man. Part of it's because they feared the Jewish leaders. This was a feast. There would have been a lot of Jewish leaders coming together to Jerusalem, uh, coming out of the Decapolis, coming out of these areas. They'd go to Jerusalem for this feast. And that includes quite a few Jewish leaders that the Jewish people would have been in fear of. Proverbs 29:25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. We see a lot of the same things today. A dichotomy and opinion out of fear. What will so-and-so think? What will the, the world perceive? How can I continue on in this manner? Why are we confused when we see so-called Chinese balloons above our nation? I have to say so-called because I'm confused. Over the last three years, I've seen no reason to believe those aren't American balloons. I see no reason to believe they didn't come out of Hunter Biden's garage. So I'm confused. And I'm just going to be honest with you. This is how it works. I know it might sound funny, but the scribes have been writing the law, interpreting the law for quite a while. And they were the ones trusted to do so, as we talked about way back in the introduction to this study. You can see where the confusion may have come from. 
If they've taken liberties here and there about the Messiah, where he would come from, how he would come, and what he would come to do. Christ's character was so spotless that when they finally did arrest him, they had to get false witnesses to speak against him. This was a practice they continued with Deacon Stephen. Pilate, Judas, even a Roman soldier would all pronounce Jesus faultless. But a group of hired nobodies with an opinion would find him guilty. They had issue with his character. Secondly, they had issue with his doctrine, which also is still uh, of great concern today. The Jews were amazed at Christ's spiritual knowledge because he had never attended their schools or studied with a rabbi. This is not a new reaction in our study, of course, but a wonderful reminder that education is a blessing, but it is better to be taught by God than to borrow the ideas of men. I'm qualified to say that. I have a bachelor's degree, and I've learned way more of the Lord way more from his word than I did of the four years in studying men's opinions and what men have done. You want to know what men have done and really get a lesson on pride? Go get a four-year degree in business. That's all you're going to hear. Christ's doctrine comes from heaven. This is what he says. It comes from the Father. So did Moses' doctrine. It came from the Father. Man's teaching comes from his darkened mind, which we read back in Genesis is only capable of evil continually. Paul warns of this. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 through 21 says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith Grace be with thee. Amen. He writes of it again in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. I want to revisit that last verse from Paul there. Ye are complete in Christ Jesus, who is the head of all principality and all power. That means nothing by comparison is powerful, and there is no other source. The great law of our heart, the great law of this creation all committed and confirmed by God himself. In verse 17, Jesus speaks of those willing to do his will. Look at verse 17 for a minute there in John 7. It says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. This is a, a confirmation, a confirmation in holy work that God is the author. Uh, I, I'd mentioned earlier how similar uh, parts of our brother's testimony was to parts of our testimony, Rebecca and I's testimony, more than just how we met our, our wives, but 
how the Lord opened and closed doors and how he's, how he's led thus far through amazing circumstances. And I'm sure by now everybody's like, stop bringing up that virtual conference. But I got to tell you, uh, when, when he removed the only obstacle I presented, I no longer presented obstacles. I think it'd be good for all of us to experience that. I can't come to church because of my job. Okay, you don't have the job anymore. You won't present those obstacles a second time if you're paying attention. And this is what's spoken of here. The Lord confirms it. The Lord filled that time in a way that I could never hope to duplicate on my own. And the Lord used all of that to bring me here. That's part of your story. How you got a pastor. I wouldn't put anything past God. Our brother in the other room was telling me uh, of a job he walked away from because the Lord was putting him into the ministry. I tell you, and, and Clark and I talked about this a little bit during the break. I'm sure he sounds like a very, very busy man compared to some of us. But unfortunately, that's what the ministry looks like in 2023 for just about all of us of working age. I don't know any pastors anywhere near my age that aren't working full-time, and we're working hard. And we're working more than 40 hours a week. Brother Justin Meyer, who was here a uh, year, year and a half ago, traveled more than I did last year, and you all know how much I traveled. And he works 40 to 60 hours a week. And he doesn't have a ministry that has anything on top of it, like a, a paper or a bookstore of that nature. So when you hear Enrique share his story, you think how busy he is. Don't feel bad for him. He doesn't feel bad for himself. He's doing the Lord's work. It's men like him and, and Brother Paul Stepp and even Samaru who built a building in record time. They're pursuing after the Lord the way Paul did. And they'll tell you in their own words, I'm failing every day. I'm failing, but they're getting up and they're pursuing. How do we compare? How do we compare with all the little time that we have? Who's going home to watch a football game tonight? I'm going home to write a sermon or two. That's my every Sunday. And I don't say that and make you feel bad, brother. But that's the ministry in 2023. My heart breaks for our brother, and my heart breaks for me sometimes. I told him, I remember when Zebediah, we found out he was, we were pregnant. I said, Lord, you've put so much on my plate. Where was he four years ago when we lost three? Some might say, well, that's not a very faithful thing to say to the Lord. Sorry, I have a real relationship with God. And sometimes I have to say things that I probably wouldn't say to another human being because he's the only one with the answers. And sometimes I have to repent with tears in my heart and my eyes with a broken heart and say, Lord, you put us here. You brought us to this point. Why have you not increased my faith? Why am I not stronger? Why do I not understand the word better? Why hasn't this gotten easy yet? All things you heard, brother, can't you say as well? He needs us to be ever dependent on him every hour. Because we stray so frequently. Listen to this crowd. The Lord Jesus, the Son of God, is teaching. And they're so distracted. 
Their minds are busy. So let's remove something for a minute. Let's remove the fact that this is the Son of God. And we'll, let's take ourselves mentally to where they are. This could be the Son of God. Does that give them an excuse? This is a feast. Some of them traveled for miles, for days to get to Jerusalem for this feast. And yet they're so distracted, they don't hear what's being said. They don't hear the blessing before them because they're so caught up in themselves. Where are we? There's a great many things a Berea could do. A great many things you could do. And if you are born again, and Scripture is correct that you are more than a conqueror, that means there's only one who's keeping you from doing it. Satan doesn't have the victory over you any longer. This means you're, you are choosing to be ill-equipped, or you are choosing not to go, or you are choosing to be unfaithful. These are hard things. But this is what caught up a crowd at the feast. This is what distracted them so that instead of hearing the glorious sermon that the Lord Jesus might have been delivering in John 7, and I'm confident that John probably elaborates on it throughout his other writings, but instead of hearing it here, we hear all the murmurings once again. Psalm 110 verse 3 tells us that thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, but how many are among us today that are truly born again and yet do not the will of our Father? A willingness, willingness to obey is the secret of learning God's truth. A willingness to pick up the Bible and read it is the key to understanding and learning God's truth. F.W. Robertson said, Obedience is the organ of spiritual knowledge. Isaac, you'd be pretty disappointed if your heart and organ stopped working, wouldn't you? Probably be pretty bummed. So if an organ of equal importance called obedience is the key to spiritual knowledge, you should be disappointed if the organ's not working. You should be disappointed if the organ is not working to its full potential. If the organ is not being exercised, it won't. I wager there's not a one in here, myself included, who wouldn't be found lacking. Thirdly, they question his works. We won't spend a ton of time on this. Uh, I find it to be a silly thing for them to question, but... Uh, they, they aren't really questioning the miracles as much as the authority, which we've seen called out time and time again. They pretended to defend the law by accusing him of working on the Sabbath, but he showed that their desire to kill him was contrary to the very law they revered. How inconsistent are people who oppose Christ and reject his word? And they don't have a choice but to be inconsistent. There's no consistency outside of Christ. There's no foundation outside of Christ. Ye can do nothing outside and apart from Christ. A man can be circumcised on the Sabbath, but he cannot be healed on the Sabbath. Circumcised and dead. Would the preacher, as he cast the soil upon the casket, say at least he was circumcised? I assure you he would. I've been to a Catholic funeral a time or two. But what is the true state of affairs? 
circumcised and lost, circumcised and dead, circumcised and broken. Like many today, they were shallow, judging by appearance, but not by truth. Do we want to see people get along or saved? Do we want to see people get along or be saved? What is our true desire? Because we're not going to have both. You go out there and start delivering the gospel like our brother challenged us to do, like that track challenge I issued, you're going to find at least one enemy this week. Someone who's going to call you a hyper-Calvinist. Oh, preacher, don't say that. We'll be discouraged. I'm just going to be honest with you. And choke that down. Because your commission is not dependent on your discouragement. You're going to find out the Lord has enemies. Just as easily as I found out when I took over editing that paper that Milburn had enemies. Chris had enemies. I have enemies. The Lord's truth divides. The Lord's truth is a type of truth that will set a room on fire. Because fire purifies. So that's all that is left is raw elements. Alive or dead. Do we want to see people get along? And leave them alone. They're loving it. The loss of this world, they're loving it. Honestly, this is a pinnacle of Nimrod's dream right here. Sodom and Gomorrah are closer to you than DoorDash. A sinner can have any sin he wants delivered directly to his phone at any time of day, at any price, including free. You want to gamble on this game today? It's legal now since 2018 and growing leaps and bounds. You, you want to have a prostitute come over to enjoy after the game? Pick up your phone. I'm sure it's possible. The world is content. The world is beyond content. The world is living it up as though they are more than conquerors. As though this is everything they've ever dreamed of. And certainly Satan is right where he wants to be. Saying, how could I lose? That building over yonder without windows, they're too afraid of me to mention the gospel out here. They're too afraid of me to challenge the lost with the condition of their souls. They're too afraid of me to leave that building with tracks. Too afraid of me to share their testimony. Their ladies got together and half of them got sick. They'll never do that again. They're too afraid of me. Their men got together and revealed their pastor couldn't sing a lick. They're too afraid of me. Is it true? Let us trust in the salvation of God to be what is indeed best for all. No one will accidentally be saved. No one will accidentally receive Christ. Many will intentionally reject him. But you have him. You already, those who are here and born again, already have him. The worst they're going to do is send you to meet him. Maybe this very day. Maybe yours will be a testimony in the next 
edition of Fox's Book of Martyrs for one who stood in 2023 and gave the gospel to a generation of degenerates and God-haters. Well, preacher, we, we might be trampled to death. We might be flayed, put upon a stick in the city square. Our bodies might be cut open and filled with rodents while we still are alive, eating away at our organs. I don't have a disgusting imagination. These things are all recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs. I might be set ablaze. And maybe while you're on fire, you sing Amazing Grace. Maybe you cry out, forgive them. Maybe you just simply say, I see the Lord Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, waiting to receive me. We've had it easy. Yeah, I know it sounds hard, but most of what sounds hard we've only read on the Internet. We've had it easy, beloved. A challenge was issued to us today. And we don't live in harder times than Paul did. And we've certainly not begun to see the affliction Christ saw and took for our benefit. This is where we're going to rest on just the third thing that they rejected. And we'll pick it back up next Sunday. I urge you, there are tracks all over the wall back there. There are tracks throughout the bookstore. I urge you to take at least five. If you take five of the same one, make sure it's one you've never read. Pour over it tonight. And my kids are not excluded from this. Pour over it tonight. If you have questions, you can call me. We can talk it over. Then I want you to not come back with the rest of those tracks hidden in your car. Give those tracks away. Derek and I should have the challenge. Uh, he's had a lot of challenges with the service times today. But Derek and I should have the challenge of figuring out how to reprint those tracks instead of where are we going to store them because they're fading in a room with light that is never turned off. What would Chris think? What would Milburn think? If any of us had to sit with them tonight, Say, the reason you haven't had to write another track, the reason we haven't had to print any more tracks is because the world's not coming in here to take them. They're not going to. Those tracks are right where the world wants them to be, behind closed doors where they'll never be bothered by them. Everything we're struggling with out there has already been written about in here. And a lot of it, Milburn's already written a track about. You can address these things. Let us not be, as the brother talked about this morning, relying on politics. I've never heard it put that way. But our churches, every one of them, we're not the only ones, are doing the exact same thing. The pastor will handle it. We've elected the pastor to be that guy. And if he doesn't, we'll elect to remove him and elect another one in his place to take care of it. I'm not a politician. The Lord has been very good to me better than I deserve. He's been very good to you. The more and more we present obstacles, the more and more we present excuses, I think if we're paying attention, the more we're going to see those things removed from our lives. If we were stewards to trust over that job, stewards to trust over those children, think back to Sam Rue's testimony. 
And we've failed to do so and rather use them as, a, as weaponry against the work that we've been called to do. He'll take them away. Lord, help us. Heavy day. Heavy subject matter. Heavy week. we got a lot of folks sick. I hope you hurt from one another. I hope you pray from one another. I know there will be some who leave here today without a track. Y'all be ashamed. You're really going to miss out on a blessing. I'll give you one story before we close. Lainey found a dime when we were in temperance one time. And it was just sitting on the floor in the church. I don't, I don't, I cleaned the church there. I don't know how I left a dime behind because we had hard times there. A dime would have been something I wouldn't have left behind normally. She found that dime and she said, I found free money, Dad. Isn't that amazing? And I, as her dad, thought this would be a good opportunity to teach her a lesson on tithing. So I said, You need to tithe on it. 10% of that's a penny. I gave her a penny and I watched her. She was real young back then. She waddled back to the tithe box reached way up put that penny in walked back up to the third pew and sister betty an older lady sat right in front of her or it was thelma i don't remember which one it was i think it was betty she turned around and said i think i forgot to give you your birthday money she had no idea this other thing was going on and gave laney ten dollars you don't know the blessing you're gonna miss out on test the lord on this take those tracks Prove me wrong. Come back next Sunday and say, you wasted my time, Pastor. I'd prefer that over saying you will do it and not. You don't know the blessing you can find from the Lord. Trust in him. He's capable of way more than we've ever called on. Let's see what the Lord will do. Like when we repented, that little bundle of joy is sitting in the hospital right now. I was thinking about that the other day. When we spent 30 days just watching, waiting, seeing what the Lord will do. We ended that time with the news that Landon Derek Cockrell was coming. He's here. How much have we grown since that time? Now, I'm not talking about church numbers, but if you want to, these two are probably the most faithful witnesses I've ever seen. They talk about the church constantly, and we've gained them as friends in that time. But how much have you personally grown since you took a minute away from this world to watch and fast and consider what the Lord has for you. Isaac was asked to do a morning devotion at the co-op last week. He's been so excited all week long talking about that lesson he delivered. The adults that came to it, the students that came to it. What are you doing? I'm challenged. Janine stays here at the church. She's been staying at the church for I think a year at this point. And every once in a while, she'll tell me about another book she just found in the library and read. And I'm challenged because I didn't read that book yet. I haven't made the time to be as faithful to reading those things. And she'll tell you, because I'm embarrassing her now, she'll tell you later, well, I'm just here. I'm just, I'm coming through. There's the book. But she picked it up and read it. And I won't tell you what it was. But it wasn't some flashy, attractive subject matter. It was something that was challenging her heart. Those tracks are as much for you as they are for the world. Be faithful. The Lord sent Brother Cantu from Mexico to preach for you today. Clarksville is not, not that far away, but that's not his point of origin. From Mexico. What if the only time you're going to ever meet him was today? Then that means this missionary was called from afar to come here today to deliver the gospel and to deliver us a challenge for this very moment. 
It wasn't for Sister Sharon or Gail. Lord knew they weren't going to be here today. Derek and Mandy, God's in full control of when Landon was coming. It was for everyone in this room. What are we going to do with it? <laughs>